back to the Growing Band Director Podcast. This is episode 100, and I'm here with my original mentor, uh, Craig Skeffington, and uh, we're going to hang for a little while. Skeff, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, life's yeah, good. Absolutely. What'd you shoot today? I shot 80. Mm. Yep. First round all season, no doubles. Pars, bogeys, and one birdie. So yeah, things are looking, uh, they're looking up. So that was for 18. That, <laughs> I did not walk off after a nine. Yeah. I had a student come up, Jimmy Kircher and Biddeford, and he's like, I shot Miss, I shot Miss, Mr. Smith, I shot 63. I'm like, really? How yeah. many holes? <laughs> nine. Okay. Yep. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny because we've thought about doing this for a while now, and we just had the conversation. So I'll kind of set the stage for uh, the people that are listening. Um, I, yeah, all, all 10 people that are uh, that are listening. And, and I know you're making tens of dollars out of this. Yeah. So, so um, with regards to the podcast, I've said this to you before. I, I think the podcasts are, are brilliant because they fill a need. And uh, you can see that with the membership as it grows and it grows and it grows. And uh, being someone that's seen you since you were 15 mm-hmm. um, and watch you develop as a teacher and as, a, as a, a, an educator and an all around musician, um, everything that you've done in our area in the state of Maine. And I thought it's a crime that people don't necessarily get to hear your view and your insight on this. And so for the people listening, I thought this is a moment where he needs to be interviewed. And so, because it would be awkward as heck to say, here's what I think about this, right? You know, people are going to yeah. clamor to that. So I think this is really important because I will preface this by saying, I think Westbrook's program is like maybe the top one or two in the whole state, given the strength of the concert band, the jazz program, the marching program, um, Sue's chorus program. It's a very, very well-rounded program. And that maybe three, four, you know, on one hand, certainly the amount of high schools in the state that do that. So you're to be commended for that. And so that, I, I thought this would be really important for people that sort of hear your take and your pedagogical you know, approach to things. So now I'm nervous. <laughs> it'll be fine i'm sure i don't know if i prepped for this yeah <laughs> so i thought you know because this didn't come you know out of the blue where where as i know where you came from but not everybody else may and uh you know give us a sort of a quick background what what led you to this point i mean what was what were the background situations that you said i'm going to put that in my back pocket because i'm going to use that eventually so walk us through if you wouldn't mind from the beginning like like my education well yeah so what yeah. you had you know in small steps you know we do, we don't need to know like you know, the minutia but yep. clearly there were high points yep. of things that you said that was something i'm not going to do again and that was something that i absolutely am going to use because it was brilliant so yeah that, that sort of thing well i remember being in high school and you came aboard and i remember from you like you seemed to have fun working really hard and we got and we were very good and that was kind of what inspired me and when I got to a point where I was thinking about college, it wasn't a deep, I want to educate all these students. It was like, I want to keep hanging out in the band room <laughs> because that's what I want to do. So yeah. it's like, and then you drove me down to my, my audition at UNH, got in there. Um, thanks to Clark Terry, because I don't know, we went because of the Clark Terry Clark Festival. Clark Terry Festival, I remember it very you know? well. So that was, that was sort of my thought. And that was like late in the game. I think it was like March. Yeah, my senior your senior year. year. You hadn't. Yeah, I do remember that. I had tried, but I had applied to schools because I liked the name. Like I didn't have any idea about like what I was really doing. So, yeah. um, so I went there, and then second year in, Andy Boysen went there. There's, I mean, so many great teachers at UNH, um, and he was one of them. So, from him, you know, I was pretty inspired as far as like how to rehearse a wind ensemble. Um, 
And then after four years there, I decided to go back for grad school. And uh, so I went there for conducting degree. And what I was looking for was a place I could have podium time, a place where they, you know, give me a TA ship, give me some money. And what was the third one? Oh, yeah, who I was going to study with was mm -hmm. a big deal. So uh, I was actually student teaching in Hawaii. I don't know if you remember that. I student taught in Hawaii. I and, do. And they all went on strike, including the, the university professor who was, who was observing me. Yeah. So on a Thursday, I learned, oh, you're done here. And uh, I got on a flight. And Monday morning, I was in Dover with Michelle Belanger. Wow. So it was sort of like I was kind of going away. My, my parents live in Hawaii. That's kind of how yep. I was there. But then I was kind of called back here through that that whole thing. Yeah, and it's sort of like COVID. It's like everything shut down and yep. there's there's a new plan, yep. right? That's what it was for me. Yeah. So um, and then I was like, OK, well, grad school it is. And I'm right here. And out of there, I got a job in Biddeford, which was a um, you know, it was a long and storied program, as we know, and there's so many great things about that town. Um, took over after Terry White and Tom Lasat, mm -hmm. to the, the to the greatest teachers that yeah. we know, really. Yep. And I had a, a, a an eventful and fun three years there. Yep. Um, band did a good job. I just I reached a point where the way the schedule was at that point, I wasn't mm -hmm. able to kind of take it past. Yep. I think I, I, we did like corral and shaker dance, John Zadeklik. Yep. And not not that it's all about difficulty level, but I was like that was. All we could do that will be the peak of what you were we able had to like accomplish yeah 14 kids in the band class and then 24 kids who came yep. after school and there was no other well and i think this is important too because the people that do know you they see westbrook and they think oh, this is you know, it's a great program they have no idea because i remember i've been friends with terry and tom forever and i remember thinking that program on the surface back when they were there you would think that's that's really happening and then you know as you know the schedule was just yep. was just terrible you know, they didn't yeah. have, I think they had, they have, they have marching band as a class, but their actual band program met during like a, like a recess or like mm -hmm. a, you know, it was 14 minutes, 20 minutes. I remember Tom. That's when DL had it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really tough road to hoe right there. Yeah. So, and it went for a long time that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that was sort of the end of it for me there. Okay. I just got to a point where I'm like, you know what? So I was actually going to go again to Hawaii. Yep and move with my parents because like free place to stay right Honolulu yeah like what could go wrong exactly and uh then I met my wife just beforehand okay and uh both the Westbrook High School and middle school jobs opened up at the same time yeah and we were on the eighth hole we were as I got the call that I got that job yep I so, remember that and I was like well if this new girl I really like and I both get these jobs well yep. that's clearly a sign yep ding 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 I do remember so, that that's fantastic I also have a memory back from Biddeford because I had just done I don't think you were there but the last conducting thing I did with UNH Wind Symphony was the Stravinsky Concerto for Piano and Winds with a faculty piano player in okay. Chris Keys. Yeah. And this is uh, for your master's recital in conducting. Okay. I, I honestly don't think I could flip from page one to page two right now, like with the recording. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, where the heck are we? Yep. I mean, it's so such. It's like a grade 40, 42 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I went from that to the next August. Like, okay, here's marching band camp, my new job, August 14th. I yep. remember the date. And that first B flat scale we played, I remember it, it hit me like, yeah. we're not in Kansas anymore. Kids can't yep. do, they can't just, I remember woodwind players just being able to play every run in, yep. in the book. And it's like, you just, it just is what it is. It's not that way. No. Yeah. And that's funny because that was, God, was that 15 years ago? 2003. Okay. 20. Wow. That's amazing. 20 years. Yep. Um, yeah, to go from there now, and again, I'll preface that because I've been around a long time. Um, when you took over at Westbrook, Westbrook was sort of on the the down cycle, 
um, I remember the marching band was on the, the precipice of folding for the, a little there bit. There was no marching band when we took it over yeah. the year before they yep. took it. And then there was a press release or there was a, a camera like the, the Channel 6 was called. Right. Because they wanted a marching band. Yep. And we were told by the superintendent on August 26th, you're going to have a marching right. band this year. And that's, a, that's such a tough thing because we've had this conversation before and Terry and other people. It's hard to have a marching band conversation or marching band program if you don't have a band program. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're forced to like you're putting band-aids out there, cardboard cutouts on mm -hmm. wheels. Um, you know, and it's really Westbrook is such a strong program now um, to see, but most people see that now and have no idea 20 years ago where that came from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the first show we did was Latin Fire. We did like, I'm, I'm like, we're going to do Bossa Novas and pit the, pit the ensemble. And no, there we go. Yep. We, uh, we got a silver and TL sent me a message like, that's a teaching job of the century or yep. something like that. Yep. You know, it was whatever. And I think we were at 27 kids. Yes. And that's with 12 in the guard. Yeah. So, like, that's not a lot but of people. But you, you got to start somewhere yeah. and, and then the I, next year was 32 and then it was 37 and then it was you know what's been your high point number wise yeah. 72 good for you yeah now was that recently that was 2014 okay yeah so being a fellow marching band director i mean we, we we follow the same we were at 80 i think at some point right before covid and then COVID hit, and last year alone, I think we were 39. Yeah. So the rebuild from COVID, as you know, is is very real, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's again, people see it's a recency bias, right? We see what we we see now, mm -hmm. and you know, some people are interested in you know, but they don't necessarily know. So you have to explain to them this is you know, hard work that came to this pass. It's hard work, and that's one of the things that I I'm I guess worried about is the wrong word. But there's so many people that I, I talk to throughout the profession who are super young, you know, they're music ed students, or whatever, and they don't understand that they need to work their tail off yep. to, to grow something. And they're not going to have me time for a little while. Yep. Like if That's you're so single yeah. or even married and, you know, you have no kids and like, maybe just do it. Absolutely. You know, unless you want your program to not grow. Right. And I, I for everybody has a different perspective and different needs, right? I like to think that not everyone comes in. I, I need a job. Right. This is definitely not a job. This is a passion. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm reminded by it. You know, I'm reminded with watching you teach now. I mean, I think I hate to ask, how old are you now? Forty four. Forty four. OK, so I yeah, I remember still going strong at forty four, but I started when I was twenty seven at mm -hmm. South Portland. I remember by that point I was like I was already starting to think this is a this is a young man's game. That's the right? year I started in Westbrook. Twenty seven. OK, I was twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember Bob Quinn. Your predecessor, uh, we were at a District 1 event, Norm Richardson, Bob Quinn, all the old teachers, and I was just a kid. I might have been 28 or 29, and Bob looked at me with that haggard face, kind of red eyes. He said, Craig, he hung his head. It's, it's a young man's game, and just like just beaten and worn out, and I remember thinking, what's he talking about with the young man's game? It's just whatever. Let's go, you know, so... But, you know, there's just the, the work ethic, the idea that you just have to, there's no easy fix, right? And what was yeah. funny about Bob is that he had really high blood pressure because the kids knew how to push, push his, his buttons. buttons. Yeah, that's time. funny. So apparently, like, they would, I wasn't there, of course, but yeah. they would, like, push, 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 and then he would lose it yeah. and storm off into the office kind of thing. Yeah. And they were, then they were out of rehearsal for a little while. And, <laughs> but he really let them kind of yeah. push him. That's funny. Um, I didn't know that. You know, I, I knew the, how... George would run his rehearsal, mm -hmm. uh, but I was I was closer to Bob just because I, Bob was a bit more personable to me. Yeah. Um, but so with that regard, in terms of like running the rehearsal, uh, we were sort of uh, making notes beforehand. 
probably your biggest influence in terms of like the band program, you know, symphonic band, concert band was Andy. What sort of things did you pick up that you have, that you use now in your classroom? Before I say that, I will say that when it comes to the jazz side of things, you're the biggest mentor. Well, yeah, thank you. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't rewrite as much stuff as you have over the years, but you haven't had to do this. You have better players. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, when it comes to the concert band side of things, I guess it's his approach of timeliness and effective rehearsal. There's no downtime. Yep. There's, there's always, it's like you're on a treadmill, you know, it's like he's moving and you got to move along with him. It's that proactive approach to rehearsal that, okay, I know what we're going to do. And I can like tell you the 10 areas we want to get to, mm -hmm. but before I stop the band, I know what I'm going to say and I know how I'm going to fix it and who the problem is and how I'm going to fix that problem. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you work on it, you work on it twice, you work on it three times. You know, at that point, you got to move. Like we all know where that that threshold is in rehearsal. Right. We never you got to fixed it, but you've made it better, and you know you've addressed it, and you'll come back to it later. But yep. you need to move on. Yeah. Okay. And at some point, you're like, I'm not going to keep working with these two kids when there's 45 kids yep. who are just yep. kind of sitting here. So he was very methodical in how he. It was like uh, the pieces were like a big puzzle to him. Or I don't know if he would say that, but that's the impression I got. Yeah. And I would just, I, I just remember watching him rehearse. And, um, and taking a lot of that to heart, you know, he would do, he would touch the score, like throughout, he just touch it. And I would notice that at one point, even all the way from the back row, when I wasn't goofing off or mm -hmm. something. <laughs> and, uh, and I asked him one time, he's like, yeah, that's, that's a, supposedly when you touch something, it creates some sort of like connection with your brain about how you're going to remember that moment or whatever it was. So he said, that's a mo I, that's something I wanted to come back and get in this whoops in this yeah. sort of like run through performance or whatever we were doing. So he would touch some stuff and then that would remember he would that's do like four, five, six things. Now you're teaching college. It's a little bit different. Yeah. The higher up, the, the older you get, but he, we would do like a minute's worth of music and then he would fix six different things, six different ways. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go back and do the whole thing again. Do you find I, I, that's the challenge for me now because you know, I, I make this joke all the time, but it's true, like squirrel, pie, bikes, you know, you can't, you're going through and you realize that stopping every 30 seconds is a drag for the kids. I remember when I played on Terry White's band, Terry would just run stuff, but this was like Rick Gordon, Rusty Quinn, Ralph Norris, all these great players. We just go back and run it again. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't go well, go back and run it again. But usually the players were so good by the third time through, okay, I figured it out, we Your can pros, move on. Yeah. But when I became a teacher, I would be like, you know, I guess stop and fix it now. And that must have been terrible. That was like my first year was, you know, you were a sophomore. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think we made it out of the intro for like, you know, September. And uh, so I, I've learned over the years that I need to go and let kids play. Mm -hmm. But the idea is like, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. So you go back and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't remember what I was going to fix. I'm, I'm 56 now. And so mm -hmm. I'm chasing those demons, you know, more and more. So that, that idea of I'm going to touch the score, mm -hmm. that's actually brilliant. I will take, sometimes I'll even fold the page or sometimes if I have a pencil ready, I'll just do a quick yep. mark on it. I have um, done that. His, I, I always said, how do you know when to stop? And his answer was when my brain is full. <laughs> He's just like, I yep. couldn't remember anymore. So I stopped to yep. go back and get yep. him. Um, so I, I take that approach. Uh, you know, some people say you shouldn't play long segments at all. You know, people we respect a lot. They say, nope, you got to do this segment and then you're going to do that segment. And then they don't need to just play it all. And then I hear a lot of people, Terry and a lot of people other included who say the kids are in band to play, right? Let them play. Yeah. So I guess I would fall somewhere in the middle of that. 
And I think there's times, I don't know if you're the same, but times when we, I do both. This is, you know, this time of the season, whatever, we might be playing more chunks. Yep. This week, next week might be, we're getting smaller stuff. John Neal gave me that. So he's it's like the cookie approach. Okay, the first thing we're gonna do, we're just gonna run it. It's, it's got awful, but we're gonna run it. And so I got you, everyone's warmed up, that's, you know, and then we're gonna come back and within that, we're gonna get really centered on these four bars. I'm, I'm gonna work these to death. Some of you kids, I'm sorry, chill for a moment. Um, and that whatever. is effective. If you know you need to spend longer than you should, Telling them ahead of time, yeah. hey, this is going to be a little yeah. bit. You can shut it down for about yeah. five minutes. I'm gonna, I need to fix this. And then we're gonna come back and play again. So right. I become, I think the bigger, our our bag of tricks becomes much bigger as we get older. Mm-hmm. I remember Norm, who was a mentor, Norm Richardson. What I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure how much more I can do. You know, and this is before Norm passed. He said, Listen, stick it out. By the time you get, you know, to wherever, 50, he said, you'll have so many things in your bag of tricks, it just becomes easier. And he's right, you know. That's, he, a, that's the same reason Tom Brady didn't retire, right? He kept saying, well, I figured the game out. Yeah. Like, why would I stop now? Right, yeah. So, well, I mean, that. Uh, yeah, not that I would equate what we do with the, the Tom Brady, but I, I see the parallel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that rehearsal skill that you build over time by watching great teachers. I think that's really important. One of the things I picked up and I drew this little picture poorly of an hourglass. Um, Have you ever heard about the hourglass analogy in your rehearsing? No. So if you think about the top of the hourglass being bigger picture stuff, when in the first third or whatever of the, say you have six weeks to work on a piece, Mm -hmm. that first two weeks, you're kind of thinking about the big picture stuff. And then in the middle section where it gets skinny in the hourglass, you're thinking about the off on three and the balance here. Yep. And you're thinking about all the small things. And then over the last third of it, or give or take, you're back to thinking about dynamic contrast and, you know, listening and, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's hard because so many concepts when we rehearse are all the time. Yep. Like what day do you teach tone? Which day are you going to teach good, t- good sound? Sure. Which day are you going to teach a steady beat? <laughs> it's like all of them. Right. But at the same time, some has to take precedence over yep. the other. Yeah. So yeah, it's global as opposed to, yeah, no, this is an F sharp when this comes up. Here's the alternate for it, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, and so uh, to kind of spin that forward, that's not necessarily dissimilar to jazz band, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people pigeonhole it. They think, well, he's a jazz guy or he's a concert band guy only or that guy only does marching band. Well, in reality, teaching kids music is teaching kids music. You know, it's just whatever. Do you like orange, blue, or yellow? I yeah. mean, it's, it's the same, you're, you're doing music. And what does TL say? Um, jazz band is just concert band with a rhythm section. Yeah. Seriously, tone production. So do you, what do you find now? Like one of the, the people in your past that people may not know from UNH was Dave Seiler. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you gather from Dave? Uh, and Dave was very unique. And anyone that Super knows unique. Dave that's in our circle, well, they're shaking their head going, yes, he was. But was there something on a pedagogical nature that you got from Dave that you use? So what I remember the most from Dave, I don't remember it as much on a day by day rehearsals technique sort of thing, because he was he wasn't that kind of teacher. Like, I don't remember him being the problem solver type type of teacher. Mm -hmm. But what he did great is he gave us experiences. So like, how did he get Clark Terry to come and be a person at UNH? He just asked him. Yeah. And then year after year, the only reason we had all the people was because Dave always said, they can only say no. Right. You know, so he, we would get, I mean, Brantford and, you know, Ray Brown and Benny Green, like some of the most, the heaviest people you could ever have, they were just coming through UNH because Dave just Dave asked. asked. Yeah. 
you know, and I think once he got Clark, well, then it's a lot sure. easier to get everybody yeah. else. You have Tom Brady, so people are going to come play on your team now. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So that's what I get out of Dave. That's an interesting point. I didn't really think about that. So as you know, I was on Dave's Seacoast band from 91 to the present. And uh, I, that same sort of thing. I mean, Dave had, he had lots of silerisms, as you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, now that I think about that comment, I think that's, that's brilliant because I got, this is, uh, this is a true story. I had just gotten back from the service and he heard me somewhere and called and said, I, can you help the UNH trumpet section? We're doing a combined concert with the Basie Band, and so it was. They were Bill. It was um, Al Gray, Mill Hitton, Snooky, um, in the trumpet section, and they didn't need me. But he was just being gracious. Yeah. So, but that was an awesome opportunity. I stood beside Snooky in the in the trumpet section and split the shout chorus to Voduda, 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 Voduda. Thank you very much. Um, just play, like going for it. And then he came back in and just, and he's about five foot nothing, 100 pounds, and just abused me the second time through. And I just hung my head and I'm like, why am I here? You know? Yeah. So, but again, I go back and I think, I just got a chance to do, you know, it, it, yes. So that's totally it. it. That's funny that you say that. And I, you've done that to a certain degree by kind of bringing people in. I know you had Maynard Ferguson at the school. Was that you were here? That was that before your time that they they brought him up here? Yep. Okay. But you've still you you bring in like Chris O or other people to come mm -hmm. in and work with the band. Right. Um we've done that same thing. Like we've had the uh all the major service bands come in, mm -hmm. you know, just just ask, right? You yeah. know, and so uh we had Maynard several times. And so that idea of like making that connection is so that like even the Portland Jazz Orchestra, my kids can come watch that mm -hmm. because hey, Mr. Skeffington's in it and it's it's cool to go do that. So it's an experience available to those kids that are in our circles, right? So that's definitely something that you do better than I do. That whole bring people in. I guess the extent of what I've done is in February, I, I have a concert that most schools don't have. Like I'll do one every six weeks in mm -hmm. rehearsal. So we do one beginning of February and we were going to do one at one point together. And then the, remember the snowstorm and you're like, yeah, it we're too. not going to do that. Um, That's really unfortunate too. Cause I was looking forward to that. That was a, that would have been a good thing. I, remind me to tell the story about that real quick. Okay. But, um, but what I'll do is I've every year or most years, I'll bring in a local college and have the, they, them play with us. And one year when UNH played, um, they did Rhapsody in blue with their, with their faculty piano player. And it was like, my kids are sitting in Westbrook, Maine for free yeah. watching this Rhapsody in Blue thing by, I mean, they're not professionals, but it's pretty darn close. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. So yeah. that, that's something I've done a lot. I think modeling like that is really, really important. And I've had some kids, like a couple of kids currently now that actually pursue, like PJO just played at Congress Square last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bijan Watson, you know Bijan? Nope, um, I know the name. Boston but... trumpet player. Yeah. Um, if you saw Bijan on the street, you're like, that cat is a lineman for the Patriots. I mean, just big, big man. Um, gifted trumpet player. Um, just unbelievable technique range, the whole nine yards. Um, he was our featured guest in the outdoor concert at Congress Square. It was like six, seven hundred. It was enormous. And I looked out in the audience. There was like five or six of my jazz band kids sitting together. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, what, it's that's what it's all about right there. So, yes, the idea that they seek it out on their own after you provide the experiences yep. and they're like, wow, this is really cool. So um, I think that's important. I, just a story that, and this hit home, you had a, you had a phrase, which you, which you often do that you use, we were going to do that concert. And if people don't remember, 
it was like the storm was coming in like five o'clock mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Yep. They weren't canceling practices. They weren't canceling school. So it wasn't one of these, sorry, there's no school. We're not going to have the performance. And there was no snow date available. It was like, we're doing it or we're not. Yeah. And you, if for people don't know, your town is next to my town. So like, and kids were going to drive themselves there. So literally nobody had to drive more than five or six miles, but it looked like it was going to be a bad mm -hmm. storm. And I remember saying, you know, we might be able to get it in. And I remember you said, yep, we could get it in, but what are we proving? All we're proving is that we're willing to put the safety of our kids on the line to yep. do this concert. And when I was a younger teacher, I was all about, we're going, we're going, the bus drivers are driving it, we're going to go. And now if it's even remotely iffy, nope, don't want to do it, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, I, I know the feeling when I was younger, I had put so much of my own personal time into it. And then as I got a little bit older, it was me and watching the kids and how much they've grown, we've got to go do this. And now I'm thinking, well, that's the, that's the end. But T, this is a TL thing. Enjoy the journey, mm -hmm. right? So if you can't, and you know, just reflect on what you did with the journey to that point, that's like a, like the icing on the cake. The cake was the thing, right? right? So that was, and I remember. I think we were both in the situation then because MBDA was coming up. That was like a pre MBDA thing, so we had another chance to be heard. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do remember that. But the the older Craig, you know, my older and wiser is like, I just, I, I'm unwilling to put kids, especially if it's, you know, we do a lot of local driving, you yeah. know, so that's, you don't want a, a kid who thinks they know everything in a snowstorm driving a car. Yeah, that's just, there's no good thing it, comes out. That, that was the only concert that I had programmed and we had worked on Prelude Siciliano and Rondo yep. by Malcolm Arnold. Yeah, yeah. We were playing it and I was like, I'll pump to play it. And yep. then we never played it. What was the, what we were doing? But for us, it was so early and I had three other pieces planned for the end of March. Yep. So we never played that stuff. Yep. We just moved on. To You're stuff. a planner though. Like you, you'll go through and you'll like, like, I'm sure that you have your winter program already picked out and you do an October concert. Uh, beginning of November and then a December concert where we combine the two bands. Okay. And then a February where they're separate. Yeah. And then the end of March, beginning of April. And do you, you do a pops concert at the, the very end? Um, we do an all city concert okay. where it's like five to 12 and yep. 40 minutes kind of thing. I have, I have a list of tunes that I want to do. Um, and then I, I will wait until I actually see what's in front of me and then I will, okay, the grade four and a half that's out the door yep. or we're going to be better than I thought that one's on the table yep. and I'll cut it. I've learned over the years, I, I need to come into every concert with about five or six things, you know, and I'm sure we all do this, uh, concert March, a lyric piece, maybe a motor impulse piece. It, like if it's a front year concert or end of year concert, you might do like a pops piece as well mm -hmm. to just kind of give the throw the kids a bone, um, and have several versions, right? So you're, there's nothing worse than being pigeonholed because I picked this show. This is what we're gonna do. Mm -hmm. That never works, yeah. right? So yeah, you know, I I will program, like I think I have everything programmed for the year right now for for all the groups. Yep. However, every concert will have at least one thing that ends up being changed, mm -hmm. whether or not a group is better than I thought or worse than I thought, or there's a, another piece that I hear and it's like, well, I got to do that now. Yep. So again, I'll go back to the Patriots. Um, Belichick always says, um, we will draft a player. If we don't just picture if that player is going to be good in our system, is that player better than a player we currently have? Right. At least that's what they used to do. I don't know if mm -hmm. they still do the same thing anymore, but right. it was like, nope, this player is better than Mike Vrabel. That's why we're going to get this player and Mike Vrabel is going to go yeah. or something like that. So sorry, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> so, so I look at pieces very similarly. Like I have this program I really like, and I really like that piece. 
is that better on a program than something I already have? Yep. And if I say no, then I might still buy it or it, then it goes on my list for what I want to do. Well, here's the thought, like in terms of, you know, people watching and they're kind of, you know, maybe picking up some things about band repertoire and rehearsal. Where, where do you listen to new material and where do you purchase new material? I purchased new material through Dale Perkins and we, I don't know if you still use him or not, but we do. Yep. So if people don't know, you, you send your money to him and you get a little credit and, and then you can just say, Hey, I'd like this piece in an mm-hmm. email and then it shows up, you know, within a couple of weeks and supporting a local business is always good. Yep. Um, where I listen, I guess I would say everywhere. I mean, YouTube's huge, but people's personal sites and through the podcast has been really helpful because people keep sending these ideas for pieces. So like, if I'm going to put out an episode with like, here's seven, eight, nine pieces people should listen to. I mean, I have a list of 20 and then I kind of have to select the ones I'm, you know, and there's been people who, who suggest a piece and it's like, I listen to it and I'm like, mm. I mean, it didn't do it for me. Yeah. Not, not that it's not a good piece, but right. you can't necessarily do everything. So yeah. I try to be really picky. For a younger teacher who might be listening, who are some go-to, like we all have my jazz band list is this, my concert band list is this, of writers and composers that I've never played a bad piece by this writer. So who are like the top three or four if you had, you know, grade two to grade four and a half high school, you know, who are your go-to writers? We're talking about concert band? We are. That's a really difficult question because there's so many great writers, right? Um, I totally agree. Yeah, and I... Can I bail on it? Um, like, can you, can, I- you can go deeper than your top three or four. Yeah. You could say I've had great luck with, you know, even if it's a one-off or a two-off. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm really working on is using new composers. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we all fall into, I love Brant Carrick. I love Andy Boys, and I love Terry White. I yep. love Carl King. I love Philip Souza. And you could, like, literally do just that. Yep. But I'm working really hard on hearing some of these new composers and the music there, and I won't name the pieces, but there's some composers and pieces that everybody raves about. And I'm like, I don't see it. Yep. I, so I don't program that music because if I don't like it, I can't sell it to so the kids. If it kids. doesn't speak to you, then it, you know, it's so, got to pass your so test So finding first. the music that speaks to me, but also will fit my kids really well. Mm-hmm. Like there's a great chart. I don't know if you know it. Do you know the tune Celia by Bud Powell? No. It's a rhythm changes tune, but okay. it's like a bebop thing. Yeah. And Mark Taylor did an arrangement of it. It's got this super sick trumpet solely in it. Yeah. And, you know, I've known it for seven years. It's like, well, I'm going to buy that. And yeah. then one day when there's a I'm trumpet ha- section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I listen to this, you know, in 2024, there's a chance I've bailed on it. But right now I have it planned for like the end of the year, next okay. year to do with my trumpet section. Um, so Mark Taylor's one on the jazz band side of things. Um, might come off, like you said, you, Terry White. So we've had this conversation about jazz, and it was funny because you were well. You like we both agreed came off um, Terry yeah. Taylor. Um, like there's like I've never bought a chart that yeah. that didn't Rick, work. Rick Stitzel. Yeah, um, but in the concert band side, you're like, oh, I don't know if it's I want to so go hard. there. So I I view it as I'm programming moods. Like I don't view it as I'm programming. Like you say, march slow piece, right, mm-hmm. and motor impulse or focus piece. That's a lot of people do that. I don't do that. I do like there are some times where it might fit into that, but because of that, I don't do enough marches. Again, that's an issue with my own programming. Mm-hmm. I have like 12 pieces on every program I want to do. And it's like, I can't, I can't yeah. do them all. So I, I like to think about, it's almost like from an audience standpoint, I'm thinking about the journey that they're going on. Yep. Brian, Peter does that. He just talks about the, the journey that they're going. And I, I, I think that's awesome. And I think that's the difference with, you know, 
I don't need to be you, you don't need to be who it's just you do you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to think of it like in terms of categories. And so I listen to three or four marches and go, I really like that march. Mm-hmm. And so that's a category. I'm gonna check that box, I'm gonna move on. And you know, I tell a story that way. I'd like to think, and the other thing is, is I don't know how you feel about this. We're probably in the same vein. Um, shorter is better than longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I, I, I didn't really care early on, it was just like, if I wanted to do seven pieces, that's what we do. And it was fairly soon after that, I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, why are we doing that, right? Just because invariably the sixth or seventh piece might not be ready for prime time, but yet you do it anyway. So we tried to do four, maybe five pieces. And you might intersperse like a brass quintet or maybe the jazz band plays a tune or something, but brevity uh, is, is often preferred. <laughs> so recently um, when I met the guys on Music Ed Insights, that podcast that yep. I was on, um, I, so I started listening to some of their podcasts, you know, two months, we booked it. And then like two months ahead of time, I started listening more. So I kind of know how they run their show and all that. It's a great show, by the way. And they talked about an English curriculum. Like, do I want my kid in English class reading 12 books this semester, kind of, or do I want them reading two books, but they really dive into each book mm-hmm. and like, what do they pull out of the character development? And I'm not a reader, so that's where my my English language stops. No. But but so, do they want to learn more, less pieces deeply, or more pieces on the surface level? Sure. So, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but I thought that was a, an interesting way to put it. Yep. So, I'm like you. I tend to do most of the time. I tend to do less music, and I try to do it really well. Yep. Um, one thing I'm working on more is trying to improve what I'm teaching through every piece. You know, like if there's a piece, and I'm like, what am I going to teach through this? besides the notes and the rhythms on the page. Sometimes another piece will speak to me and kind of bump that one off. That's interesting. I often think, I'm a history buff as you probably know, and uh, I would love to get more into as we're going through, especially in the jazz band thing, um, talk about the history, you know, if, if the piece is a Duke piece or the piece is a bebop piece, like where the, the influences were. We did, um, and every time I talk about this, I forget. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road mm-hmm. marks um, arrangement, which yeah. is a great tune. And I, I spent some time um, that season talking about where big bands in the 60s, you know, broke from traditional jazz and did jazz rock because there was no audience and they were trying to. And so it's funny that kids generally don't want to talk about history. You talk about history and their eyes glass over and they, they roll on the back of their head. But I remember thinking, this is important. I'm going to share that with them. So. The, that's an interesting point by you that what can I teach other than the notes and the rhythms with this? I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, you were asking about concert band composers. So there were two that came to my mind. Okay. These will probably not be, I can't say I do a lot of their music, but again, there's so like, you could almost do any piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody knows these names, but Brian Balmages Mm -hmm. and Randall Standridge. Yes. I mean, there's a reason that, that, I mean, I haven't heard anything of Brian Balmages that I don't like. I mean, this year, I think I'm doing two of his, and they're both like grade one and a half pieces, mm-hmm. but they're just such great music. Yep. Yeah, and so there's a, a good and a bad to that, right? Because the good is like, this is the motor info or whatever it is, it sounds great, and it's it's gonna work, and sometimes they get formulaic, mm-hmm. right? Um, the great Sammy Nestico, oftentimes you could hear a Sammy, or Dave Wolpe, like it's just the same chart with a different title, yeah. but yet it sounds great, right? So I, I completely agree. So I haven't found that with Brian, Brian Balmages as much. Yep. There's one I put on the episode earlier this summer. It was called, it's a 0.5 
beginning band piece on Mars. I don't know if you listen to that, but it's called Bringer of War after Holst. Okay. Brian Balmages did it. It's a, it's a big, it is a legit, they don't just call it a 0.5. It's literally a beginning band piece okay. and it's Mars. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's so you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. And it's a really a beginning band piece. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's a, it's a level of genius for that. John Furman, who was a mentor of mine, when I was a young teacher. He was the, on the staff that hired me and took a chance years later before he retired, he said, why don't you write a, a fifth grade piece for me? And uh, he was like, yeah, it's got to be this. And I'd write something, that's too hard. Said, what? So, you know, all the parameters that a, a grade five, mm -hmm. which is 0. 0.5, a grade five, fifth grade, mm -hmm. you know? So I have actually, and I did like a, a ABA um, with a modulation and then a return. So it's like me, almost two minutes, which is probably like enough. I just have to figure it out. I, I shelved it for years during COVID and I listened to it again and it's clearly more than 0.5 or one, but it's no more than two. And I'm thinking, I need to finish that and send it somewhere yeah. as a grade two piece. But the idea that uh, that kind of music is difficult to write, it's deceptively difficult to write. You know, and I, I, I'm not sure everyone understands that. I mean, you do as a writer. Michelle Fernandez says she was talking to crystal at Allstate, and crystal's like i want to do your music but it's it's so much harder than my kids can play yeah like my kids are a one and a half band period and she's like yeah it's impossible to write easy music she's like i'll i'll go and write something that's a grade two <laughs> but by the, the time i get to the end it's a grade four <laughs> yep yeah i yes and mike Sakash was another we were talking about that you start on one level and you just can't that to keep that level is the that's difficult yeah um so maybe another thing uh, one of the things I'm not sure that we've shared or, or people would know, I think the chamber music and the, the individual kid as a musician is important to you in particular because you guys have tons of kids that make the all district band, the all state band. Um, so talked about that. I mean, where does where where does that fit into your program in terms of like kind of pushing that agenda forward? So chamber music is not as much as I want it to be. Usually once a semester, we'll do like a chamber music project for a week or so. Yep. And we'll use a lot of those flex band things that have been available for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, so the kids can be with their friends or whatever. And every time I hear our kids play chamber music, I realize how much they can't play, mm -hmm. you know? And then, so the more I do it, the better it is, but I don't do it enough. Again, that's a weakness in my teaching. I want to do that more and more. The reason I think we have a lot of kids who get into honor bands is a couple of reasons. One, they have to play the honor band piece for a final the year before. So I teach, so my kids have, in the wind ensemble last year, all, mm -hmm. they already know the piece for next year because we've worked on it a bunch. And um, so that's helped a lot. Um, the reason we get so many kids into Allstate too is that, you know, there's like lifer kids, like, right? And then there's the kids who are casually in band. Yeah. In our town, the, any kid who's a lifer kid is a marching band kid, right? And it's that way a lot of places. Like the kids just love it so much. They're part of the marching band. They're part of the jazz ensemble. They're part of the wind ensemble. I mean, they'd part of, be part of the nose ensemble if we had the right. nose flute ensemble. But... <laughs> So there's like, yes, I want to do Allstate. Great. Go ahead and do it. Yep. You know, and we have a lot of kids who don't get in, but just that it's a thing and it's an opportunity. And there's, we all, how many kids do we all have who are like that kid's an Allstate clarinet player and they won't audition. Right. That, that's, that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So people who are feeling that we all have that. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I try to, I try to push the kids to do it, but I don't actually push them. You know, like I don't require that my win ensemble kids mm -hmm. audition. It's, I've thought of that in past years, but, um, 
So I don't know if there's a secret to it. I mean, we definitely do some chamber ensemble, and I try to teach to the individual kid. I think I use chamber like a ubiquitous term. It's I didn't necessarily mean that you're doing trios and quartets. Yeah. Just the idea that you've got somebody willing, because that's a, pardon my expression, a very naked way to do it. It's like mm -hmm. you're there, and like the kids don't want audition, yep. right? They're just like, they're scared to death of that. Yep. But we had some, we've been better, like COVID was down to nothing. Um, and I think that COVID year, we didn't have anything. And last year, I think we took maybe 12 kids. Used to be we'd fill a whole bus with the mm -hmm. kids that were going to audition. Yep. But the chorus had 12. I think we had maybe 25 all together. And I, I, I made a note. It's going in the right direction. That's right. And I think we have the same. So Crystal is your middle school theater. Yep. Um, Amy Anderson took over for, for Gene Quinn and Sandy Berry. And Jen Fletcher's there now. And they're, they're sending tons of really motivated kids. So my job is just, just hanging there long enough to see that, you know, kind of back where it was. Mm -hmm. And then I can hand the keys to somebody else and walk out the door. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I wish more people took that more seriously. And this is another thing that I'll point out. You probably above anybody else have been a leader in the sense that you always volunteer to manage the district concert band. You manage the all state band. You manage the all state jazz band. And you've done that for 10, 15 years. Yep. Um, so I know that's important to you, and not only with your kids, but in bringing in, you know, really good clinicians for the event. Can I tell you why? So I, I had a year in the first four years of my teaching in Westbrook. And there was just an experience that my kids had that wasn't as good as it should have been. Mm -hmm. And I remember there's a specific band kid who's now in the profession and he came back and the, the, the week after that group, he's like, I'm not going to try out for that next year. And this is a kid who like, there should be no doubt. Yeah. They're in it. They, they just have to audition again. This kid loves it. It's going to be their life. Yeah. And they said, yeah, this is just not, it wasn't a very fun experience. Yeah. And I knew, and again, nothing against the manager. That's why I'm like not giving details. Yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to throw anybody under the bus. No, sure. Like you choose a conductor, you choose the music, and then you hope that it's the right fit. Right. But if there's an, uh, somebody who's not ready to be the conductor or the literature's not, literature's not right or whatever, the kids can leave thinking it's not a good experience. Right. So I, it was honestly selfish at first. I was like, I want my program to grow and I need these kids to have a good honor band and all state experience. Yeah. So if that's going to happen, I want to see that that's going to happen. So the, the, I felt like the best thing I could do for the state and still try to do is, you know, try to get the best people in as possible yeah. when it comes to their programming. I try to guide them because I know like what the difficulty level should the be. The clientele, right. But I also try to stay out of their way when it comes to the programming. You know, I, I don't say, Hey, do this. And I want you to do these three pieces. Yep. You know, it's, what do you want to do? And they'll say invariably, what's the program for the last three or four years. Yep. And then I'll send them that. And then I will listen to every piece and I'll be honest. And I'll say this one, I think is too much, or that I think this is whatever. So yep. the program ends up being their program, but I will guide them along the way. And, you know, I just felt like once our, once we have great honor bands, whether it be all state or just regional bands, that just is the lifeblood to every program, you know, and helps every program grow sure. when, when it's that way. Yeah. And it's, you know, people think if you, if you're a manager and I've had this year, I'll just be honest. I've had years where I get a lot of kids in and I'm the manager, which means I'm kind of choosing the roster, mm -hmm. right? What is the cutoff trombones 13 or is it 10 or is it 11? Like those are decisions that as you know, are really hard to make. Cause you're like, my kid is number 13. Mm -hmm. That kid should go. But would I take that kid if it was from another school, right? 
So those are really hard decisions to make. In fact, I feel like I've almost been harder on my kids because I don't want to appear yep. as I'm biased towards the Westbrook kids. Yeah. Um, so some people might think, well, if, if there's a manager in your group and they're getting a lot of people in, they're showing favoritism. They're telling the judges to make sure you judge my kids better and all that. It's, it's, it's really more about if somebody's going ahead and they're putting in all that extra work for $0 mm -hmm. to be a manager and to do all these things, odds are the work they show in that role is the same work they show every day in their program, right. which is why it's a symptom, not a, yep. not a cause. And I will say this, and I, I've said this for years, I rarely complain about anyone that volunteered to do something because it, the easiest thing is to do nothing mm -hmm. in our profession. There's, there's a lot of nothing, you know, so I've gone to many meetings where you're just looking for, will somebody chair that committee crickets, you know? And so I volunteered when I was a young teacher, I was, you were in school, you were in college. I, we hosted the jazz all state for four years in a row. Cause no one else would do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I volunteered to, I ran, uh, I was the Allstate Jazz uh, manager. I brought in Dean, you know, a, a bunch of people from out and above, some selfishly because I'd had connections, but mm -hmm. mostly because just no one would do it. So same with Combo. So one of the things that really, I really like what I can see now is that there's a young, a young cadre of teachers that are out, that are volunteering for mm -hmm. stuff now. In, in BDA, District 1, there are teachers now that are making themselves available to host events or to manage things or mm -hmm. to run the, the district level. So I like that because for a while I thought where this is just going to fold up, you know, it, so. Well, one of the reasons I ended up managing so many different things for about five years, I managed all four, the Jazz and Classical and Allstate yep. and an Honors Band. And um, one of the reasons I kept taking on each one and I would convince my wife that it was okay to do this yeah. because I'm going to the festival anyway. Like I'm going to be there. Yeah. I might as well who have the clinician I want to watch work with the kids. Sure. And so it's a selfish thing, yeah. you know, and in that, like we were talking about earlier with Dave Seiler, just ask who you want. I mean, the, it's amazing the people you can get. Yeah. I remember the day Alan Baylock was like, yeah, I'll be there. And I was like, really? Yeah. Sweet. And, uh, you know, you get some great people in by doing that. Yep. So any extra work that you have to do is usually during school anyway, and you can parcel it out. It may be two hours worth of work, but if yep. you spread that over four months. Ordering the charts or getting copies of the charts, right? That's the hardest thing, right? Yeah. Getting the music into the kids' hands. Yep. So, um, and, and I worked hard to think that I was organized so that when we, had an, when we had auditions, the program was already selected and bought. Now, occasionally you'll go, okay, we don't have a lead player for that, or we don't right. have that soloist. Um, but typically we were pretty okay. And then I would get the music out sometimes within a week to the kids. You were always good about that. I, that was the thing. Like as yeah. soon as the auditions were done and the rosters were put out for the people to see, you could expect the music in a week or two. The, that yeah. was never a strong suit of mine. It would be always like, you know, with, what's the next thing? And I'd forget to do this. Or The reason I always did ahead of time was because I had young kids. And I knew at any point I could be out a week because this kid's sniffling or, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So, and I also felt like my job is not as stressful if I'm prepared. Yeah. If I've already done all the things, then if I feel like I'm ahead, I could literally not come this week. And next week, I'd still kind of be a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah. So just that proactive approach usually helped me. Yeah, that's, and that's probably across the board, right, with yeah. everything. It's yeah. not just, you know, managing the, the district honors band. That's like being ready for concert band rehearsal or, you know. Uh, yeah, I also tend to be a little on the obsessive side, <laughs> in case you didn't know that. Um, so, and I work hard to know, like, that's, a, that's something that I think has helped me be a good educator. I also have learned when to shut it off. Is like when it's annoying, like yep. around my family, yep. I need to just let it go. Yep. But that sort of insistence on doing something the right way and, and planning ahead of time 
it's been something that's been big for me. So. Yeah. Well, it's obviously worked, you know, because I, I circle back, you know, the Westbrook thing is by far, I could, you know, I'll say this publicly. I, mean, I think Cape has a very well-rounded program, Old Town, very well-rounded program, your program, very well-rounded. Um, and by well-rounded, I mean, there's not many that do the marching band thing and the jazz band thing. Although we don't do the string orchestra thing, but right. you know, I, I would any group that I'm not necessarily familiar with that does the string orchestra thing, they they may or may not do the marching band thing. In fact, mm -hmm. I don't think they do. So, the the fact that your program is where that is is yeah. largely because of you know your yeah. work ethic. So yeah, thank you. You know, I, and I it's it's funny. It, I don't disagree with you in in any way. At the same time, I think every community is also a little different. You know, there's. There's communities who send kids to all nationals and all Eastern. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do that. I should. Yep. But I don't. Same. I, you know, I, there's there's groups who do the essentially Ellington thing. We're going to try that next year. Um, we don't haven't done that. Yep. You know, it's almost like you take your community and you try to improve it a little bit every year in the in the band. And yeah. How have you found I, I have definitely done this when I took over um, the jazz band always did this. Like one of the things the jazz band always went to Norwood. And you remember doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, but we always, I, you could set your clock by the events that they did. And so I, and it was really busy when you put the wall calendar that music and arts or David French give you, I fill those things out and I highlight them. And when you're done setting up your yearly calendar, someone might come in and go, oh, my God, I had no idea you guys were that busy. Yeah. Um, so have you taken a different like you've said i'm going to do this instead of that or i'm going to add this i in retrospect i've done very little adding stuff that's sort of out of that circle that scavoni and, and richardson um weren't already doing yeah so yeah i kind of think of each ensemble as a separate thing so okay. like i'll plan the jazz ensemble what i think they should do through the year and then i'll plan like the color guard not that i'm teaching it but like we'll plan the schedule for the color guard mm -hmm. and the schedule for the winter percussion and the schedule for the concert band and wind ensemble and the schedule for the the marching band and you know all that and then you kind of look at okay okay these two weekends can't be a winter weekend because we have the unh jazz festival and there's, right. there's enough kids that do it so we can't do that on that saturday um so there's it, it ends up being pretty busy for sure you know I've, I've added a couple different things like our oh, we talked about doing concert every six weeks or seven weeks. Yeah. Um, we did Symphony Hall once, which was really cool. Um, that, and like I'd love to do the humane, the humane day, but it's like in the middle of March. It's right. the hardest time to do it. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you'd have to cut something yeah. in order to, to go do that. And the time that, you know, when like, as you know, you do something enough, you start doing it the way you think is the best way to do it. And until something changes, you just keep right. Keep doing it that way. Yeah, and that, that's, I circle back to Norm's thing about stay in there. The longer you go, the easier it is because you've done it. You've got a template for it. And, but So, yeah, there's part of that. Although I will say this in my own defense, in our defense, that the creation of the winter percussion and winter guard programs mm -hmm. has added one more element and a big element, right? Because that's a, not how much, I don't necessarily do any teaching. There's one year I helped out with a, the winter percussion, but I'm responsible for the buses and, you know, and, and paying everything. So managing that schedule has become, and plus it's your kids, right? So if, mm -hmm. we do the same thing, like, okay, UNH is this weekend, you know, so you're trying to manage, because invariably you get the kids are like, well, I can't do this. And so they can't be in two places at once, right? So that falls on us to, to straighten that out, certainly. That's, it's the same way. I mean, yeah. I'm super lucky. You know, I have Sue, who's our director of music. Yep. She orders buses. Um, 
Jess Krupnik, who kind of does a lot of that behind the scenes work with all of our marching yeah. side of the program. Yeah. She takes on calendars and, and figuring out which show to go to and all that, you know, That's so awesome. like, yeah. there's a number of people who, and then obviously our teachers do, do all the teaching. Yep. So I don't, I mean, I'll manage, I'll say yes or no, or yep. I'll manage it peripheral. But if I had to do it, we wouldn't have it. Right. You know, I just don't have the there's time. There's only so many things. No, I totally get it. That's and why. I have a rule that I started probably 2012 or so because we knew our second child was going to be born. And I said, I don't want to miss dinner ever. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, Saturday night yeah. when there's a show, like there's right, nothing right, to do right. about that. Yeah. But throughout the week, I'm not going to be missing dinner. So we, we used to have marching band from 530 to 8. Well, now it's all right after school. Yeah. And it was just selfish. I was like, I don't want to be out when my kids are home for dinner. So even in the middle of marching band season, we might have jazz band going and marching band and we're in school and all that. I'm home at the latest, 5.45, 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I'll come in. And if I'm at 6.15, I hear about it. Yeah. Because we said 6. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's helped me keep that, that balance throughout that. Also with like being proactive and kind of obsessive. Like I don't wait to the last minute on stuff because it's just not my nature. Yep. So then I never feel like I'm in a panic because I feel like I've prepared for it. I think it's circling around. It's a, it's a, it's a good life habit, right? So I get that. So I, I'm not sure, you know, being, being the sub host and you are the, the interviewee now, um, if we're at the point where we wrap this up, but I'm fascinated by this, just like hearing your, your take on things that I've done my whole life, but here's somebody else's approach in doing the same thing. And hopefully everyone else has, I didn't think about that. So, so we're both screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so you're going to have to bring in a third party to straighten us out both yeah. for sure. So anyway, I thank you for the opportunity. This has been great. And I'm really happy to share your message with other people that may not know. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We sincerely appreciate you taking your valuable time and listening to the Growing Band Director podcast. Your students are very lucky to have a band director like you. If you have any suggestions for episode topics or think you have an area of expertise to share on a show with us, please reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your band director friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Growing Band Director. See you next week.